Well, hello and welcome to the first Baird by podcast of 2023. I'm delighted to be joined this evening by Burkhard Gottfeldt from the German law firm Kilmet. Never very good on pronunciation anyway, but they're part of the IUS Just Laboris Network. And a couple of weeks ago, Burkhard wrote a fascinating article on the impact of social media on collective bargaining negotiations. We thought it worthwhile having a chat with him about it and what got him interested in the subject and what has he learned about it. But before we jump into that, Burkhardt, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your background as a lawyer and so on? Uh, thanks uh, for inviting me anyway. I was really intrigued in joining you tonight. Um, employment lawyer in Germany for the last 30 years, 20 years of union negotiations, West Council negotiations, heading the transformation restructuring group of Youth Laboris uh, on a global basis. And in the discussions with my friends from all over the world, we try to follow up with recent development. And as you can imagine, during the COVID restrictions, you know, looking at what is our counterparts and unions and work council doing when they're all sitting in their home offices and how do they do virtual strikes and things like this made me start thinking that maybe even after COVID, they will continue doing these things on a more virtual basis. And that's when I started to interview people who are knowledgeable on communication, wherever I found them, like communication experts and stuff, to try to find to understand what's so special about the whole social media communication. And I think that's what we want to talk about tonight. So that's why you got interested in this, you know, during COVID, sort of suddenly people couldn't come together face to face, as we've all traditionally done in collective bargaining and negotiations you sort of started to wonder about how do, how, how do you make this stuff work when you can't meet? Right. We did have, at the time, in Germany, a major restructuring of the Airbus Group. Because as you can imagine, at the time, nobody would buy any new aircraft. And mm. Airbus had to be restructured within a very brief period of time. And that's when we had the first virtual, let's say, strike and other union activities. And that was everything from calling on a strike action on WhatsApp groups, placing strike photos of very limited people in a distance of two meters apart into the social media platforms and thereby into the media overnight and sometimes within minutes. And even strike action like jointly switching off the or switching on the mute button in team sessions for two or three hours and thereby going on strike. So we had all kind of, you know, little exercises by the unions to check out what is possible. And that basically created the idea on both sides that there's a completely new world on organizing labor disputes when you go out of the of the real world into the, the social media world. So do you think the unions have got smart at this? Well, I do think that in the first place, they suffer from... A huge decrease in membership basis, which at the main time means less money available, which means you have to restructure like everybody else. And digitalization is one way of restructuring. And they find out that by very limited means, I mean, in the end, someone sitting in Frankfurt, knowledgeable about this whole stuff that we're talking about tonight, may be able to direct something that in earlier times, a bunch of people had to do on the ground, or let's say, you know, in a small little town, in, in the Black Forest. Mm -hmm. So you, you can centralize your activities, you can minimize the 
necessary people involved and you can maximize the effect in getting, you know, having your interest being spread around within minutes if you do it nicely and cleverly. You said you've been involved in this business for 30 years and I've been involved in it for even longer than that. And you and I know that what strikes used to do is to inflict economic damage on an employer. You walked out, you stopped production, goods weren't going out of the gate, profits weren't being made. Okay, people were losing wages and so on. Does social media strikes actually have that effect? Does it actually inflict damage on an employer in the way an old-fashioned strike does? Or is it just, to use an English word, performative? It looks good, but it doesn't actually do anything. Yeah, I think in the first place it looks good. And yes, you can like hold your strike meetings and everybody is happily at home rather than freezing outside um, (laughs) next to a burning fire. But I think the way you have to look at this is slightly different because I agree that in the past, inflicting damages may have been a target or the target, as you say. I do think that once you switch into campaigning and gathering your interest around public understanding or even upheaval on your personal interests, then it's less about inflicting damages and more about getting your interest known by a larger public. i give you an example. If the, condition, the conditions of drug drivers throughout the European Union are horrible, if you think of where they sleep at night, what they do during the day, they, they don't have proper washing facilities, nor can they get proper food. Yeah, It's almost impossible to organize drug drivers because the trucks come from somewhere in Eastern Europe. These people are sometimes collected from Indonesia even, and they spend some time in the European Union and they go home and they, they basically unavailable for union activism. But if you start a social media campaign on this, gathering public interest, all of a sudden you can reach these people and change working conditions because people like in Germany, they realize, well, you know, my supermarket is being delivered by someone, by a poor person like this every morning. And why is nobody taking care of it? And we are coming into a world where it's less about inflicting damage and more scandalizing something and thereby collecting money for your interest, collecting support, collecting political pressure. And we will see this happening much more often than the traditional strike action that, for example, we are currently seeing still as an effect of the the, the energy crisis and the increased uh, inflation, um, in particular in England, in France and in Germany at the moment. I understand what you're saying, but I actually have difficulty in sort of joining the dots here. You know, I, I understand this sort of thing, you know, it's called clicktivism, sitting at home, pressing your computer to say, I'm concerned about this and so on. But does it actually lead to any change, do you think? Or is it just like me sitting here with a nice glass of Beaujolais saying, oh, that's terrible about that poor supermarket truck driver. I'll click to say I don't like it. But what, but what more do I do about it? I agree that we are probably at a very early stage of this. But if you look at the Friday for Future movement, which has basically come out of nothing of a pupils staying out of school on Fridays, and the impact that this movement has had on our complete perception of global warming and what needs to be done. And I've just yesterday, I've spoken to a very senior law professor in Germany who is advising the German unions 
since about 60 years, uh, Professor Deibler. And he's just published a book comparing the Fridays for Future movement and the way they are organized and how they work and how they create publicity and how they are campaigning to what unions have been doing. And his book is all about educating unions and how they can learn to be more impact-driven um, than they have been maybe or they have started to be because of the lack of maybe topics even because in a 10 years of low inflation, it's very difficult to be a unionist. But And also with the, this whole elderly population things that don't radicalize at easy as it has been maybe like 30 years ago, 20 years ago still. But they have to find a new platforms, new people that they can mobilize and they start really learning from, for example, Friday for Future and this conversation yesterday just showed me that in the background, things are happening, things are progressing while we are, if you look at a traditional strike preparation with my German clients, for example, yeah, it's still very much 1970s, 1980s style, mm -hmm. but they will bypass us if we don't watch out and don't realize that they are cleverly behind the scenes uh, putting up a completely new way of campaigning. And that's basically okay. the point I want to make. Yeah. That I understand. So if you were saying to an employer, okay, here's what you need to do. You know, and that was what your paper was about. Walk me through it. What would you say to an employer? You know, if you're looking at this new media landscape and new trade union approaches and tactics, what would you say to an employer? Here's how you should go about it. There's uh, three very disappointing messages that I have to give. <laughs> okay, okay. The one is, once you're in the action, it's too late to act. And then you are bound to react. And reacting in social media is helpless. So you have to plan in advance, which is basically getting involved in and getting knowledgeable about potential communities that may be reached by others in order to campaign against you. And you just get to know them know their platforms, know the way they communicate, and maybe even start engaging with these communicates. This is number one. So you're too late if you're in the action. The second thing is we are very much used to have all the communication been done from the top. The CEO making statements, press statements, yeah, town halls, yeah, yeah, all yeah, these yeah. kind of things. I'm talking, you're listening. This is not the way on how social media is working. In social media, it's your people talking. It's maybe the shift leader talking rather than the boss talking. So the whole thing about I am the CEO, I'm the best communicator in the world thing doesn't work in social media, but actually may be very counterproductive. And the third thing that I'm trying to tell my clients is that we are very much used to a ping pong communication style. You say something, I say something. You say something, I say something. That's the worst thing you can do in social media. In social media, sometimes the best thing is to shut up and wait for the right moment or do one statement and then be silent for a while and watch what is going on. Because the way I look at social media communication, it's like a wind. It starts somewhere and then the breeze goes through different sources of social media, touching different groups who may take your message and do something completely else with it. And it may end up in spheres of social media activity, which is far away from the interest of your employees, mm -hmm. but caught the attention of a lot of people that are completely irrelevant to your employees. And the key thing is to 
find out by not acting all the time whether the the larger group of your employees is still following this communication at all yeah. or whether well, you cannot just win them back by standard communication well, one of the things you say in your, <laughs> your, your your paper is that compared to an old style strike you had the the union the workers on strike and you had the management with this social media activity all sorts of other players can get involved how do you manage that i won't say how do you stop it but how do you manage that like if if somebody decides to tweet about you what do you do about that i think the first thing you have to realize once it happens you cannot do much about it because it's so fast and so unreachable that it will happen it's a kind of there's a german word which is a traditional word of communication is that you have the Luftüberlegenheit. You may know this word from the Blitz, which basically means, you know, we are in control of the sky, but you are never in control of the sky here. But what you can be in control of is the facts. Social media communication has its heart in an emotional communication in the first mm -hmm. place, and it hates facts. So once a communication in social media derails into an emotional outbreak, which can be going to a boycott or whatever can happen. You have to have what the communication experts call a reliable master of the facts, repeating the facts continuously. And that is not necessarily the CEO because the CEO will be seen as someone with a specific interest. But it may be someone, as I said earlier, like a, a shift leader, someone who is recognized in your group of people, maybe the head of HR, someone or a it could be a law professor or a technology professor. It can be a politician. It can be anything. But someone who people trust because they say, wait a minute, this person I trust, he or she is only telling me facts and he and she is repeating these facts continuously. And this is the way how you slowly get an upper hand because you're not derailing into the emotions, but you try to gain your own people by reminding them about facts. You know, this is what we have been doing. This is our strategy. This is our how we have been do, being successful in the past. This is why we believe your jobs are safe. This is why we believe we have very good products. Yeah, this is why we have been inventing new products continuously in the past and we will continue to do so. Yeah, this is, we are a reliable fact-oriented employer and let these people talk, be emotional, yeah. But just trust us. And but yeah. this is really the key word that I learned on communication in social media is that the first thing you have to identify if you approach these kind of exercises is who is going to be my trusted. They call it landmark or or light tower. My trusted light tower of the truth of mm. facts. And if you and this person has to be introduced into the social media world, has to start communicating on platforms that you identify as being reliable from a factual point of view, like LinkedIn, but it can be your internal uh, system. It doesn't necessarily have to be uh, Twitter, yeah, or, you know, because Twitter is very much linked to emotional communication. So you may want to avoid platforms that have like TikTok or Twitter. Who have a, which have a very emotional connotation, but you try to bring your communication on more factual basis and factual platforms.
Yeah. Would you think, you know, I, I, I'm sort of getting the impression from some of the things you're saying that, you know, it's a minority who engage in social media activity. And what you're really saying is that you have to reach out beyond that activist minority to connect with the bulk of your workforce and to always remember that it's the bulk of your workforce you're connecting with, that you're not playing games with the activist minority. Correct. I think you have to know the activist minorities. You have to know how, what they're going to do, how you can also approach them. I'll give you an example in a second, but you're absolutely right. You have to understand that all of your employees will be following the craziest things on online. They do. It's what we all do all the time. It's a thing that is going on, but after a while they get bored. How fast do you get bored when you follow these kind of you know emotional conversations and you just switch on to something else? It takes minutes, maybe seconds. It, you will hardly follow a radicalized conversation for more than five minutes, mm. maybe a day. But that's it. And then you say, well, where is something where, where's the facts? And what's the truth? And there needs to be someone that I can relate, relate on. But I want to give you an example. There was a startup company in Berlin and they had works council elections for the first time. And on the first day at seven something in the morning, something got viral on the internet, which was a post saying, look at this. All the employees are in front of the building we have works council elections today and they don't even let us in. And the company reacted at 8 a.m. in the morning and they said a simple sentence and it said, our usual working hours are from 8.30 onwards, which means nobody has been waiting in front of the door and mm -hmm. nobody has been cut out from works council elections. And it was killed by a simple factual sentence. Yeah, so they decided, yes, we go on the same platform we put a piece of fact that kills the emotions and end of story. And this is a perfect example on how you have to react, which is concise, fact-oriented, fast. See, they, they read this at 7-something. Their reaction was at 8. They opened at 8.30. So, a marvelous example. I'm, a I'm, I'm the human resources director of a company at the moment. I don't have a problem. I'm not looking at a strike or I'm not looking at an issue or whatever, you know, but I'm conscious of the sort of things that you are saying. So what would you advise me to do now to plan for the future? I think first thing is understand what social media your employees are generally using in private. And what's the platforms they like? Is it TikTok? Is it whatever it is? First, we know it. It's, for example, not Facebook anymore for larger part of the employee population it's it's a lot of linkedin recently and it also um whatsapp is a very important tool so get to know the usage the, the private usage ask them talk to them yeah mm. what are you doing where, what are you checking where are you active the second thing is look at your products what are you producing are you producing steel in a steel factory or chocolate bars so means you know who is talking about you in, on what platforms? Where is the talk taking place? Is where do you marketize? Where do what is your merchandising uh, platforms that you are using? And the third thing is, who may take an interest in you as a company from an activist side? Is it Greenpeace? Is it um, Human Rights Watch? Whoever could it be? Yeah, but try to understand who may be interested in my products when something is going wrong, and then. Putting these three things together, you 
you may entertain a specialist for a while, but you can also start thinking about this yourself and say, okay, mm, these are my products. This is where we are communicating, factual-oriented communication. Yeah, that's where it is taking place. This is what my employees is doing. Okay, I have to shift my factual communication more into what they are reading so I can reach them with factual information. I need to bring in a person that they love and like to start communicating with them from time to time. And who are the potential crazy people around me? And I'm not saying that Human Rights Watch or anyone is crazy, but you know, there is crazy uh, yeah, yeah, public yeah, interest yeah. groups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, do we do competitors of us, do others in a similar situation with similar products have had to do with them and start talking to your HR colleagues and, and talk to, with them about this? And you will find out there is a huge range of crazy people in the world who may suddenly have an interest in your products because you produce in let's say for example turkey at the moment where there is there is some human rights aspects in turkey that are really critical where other public interest groups are really looking into and if your chocolate bars are being produced in turkey you better start thinking about your social media policy what you seem to be saying to me Burkhard, is this don't wait until you have a crisis to yeah. be active on social media. Become active on social media. Develop a presence on social media that connects you with your employees so that, exactly. you know, if you do run into an issue, then you've already got the infrastructure and the voices in place. Correct. Would that be what? That, absolutely. There was one thing I learned, which was really interesting to me, is, and I didn't know this, is that it is almost impossible to switch from analog traditional analog communication into virtual communication and back. So when you're traditionally communicating with your employees in an analog traditional fashion, which is tone from the top, meetings, letters, handouts, all these kind of things, yeah, which is your traditional way of communicating. I call this analog. And then when a crisis appears, it's you will never be able to switch into a reliable, powerful and even active virtual communication. And also it's very difficult to bring a virtual communication back into an analog communication. But you cannot, the people, the communication people tell me, you can't switch it like a switch. Yeah, it's yeah. not a button yeah, that you can press. And that's why if you don't communicate virtually already, then it's in a crisis to switch is too late. Develop a social media presence now. Learn how to work with it. Learn how to come across and deliver your message in that way. Don't I want to make two points to, to add on this, if I may. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one is, it is super interesting to see on LinkedIn these days that a lot of HR directors are developing kind of a home story thing. You see them repeatedly making statements, photos, posting photos. This is what I've been doing today. Yeah, this is who I've been hosting. This is a product we've just launched. And you see them like the important HR directors. They're all... And I think they get professional help. They're all doing a, a very clever thing on LinkedIn already, which is the starting point of a factual communication plan. And the second point I, I want to make is it is actually not so difficult to engage in, a, if you think about your, in, at the moment, we do a lot of employee surveys, which is we're handing out something, people is ticking the boxes, they send it back, and then you tell them, oh, everybody's unhappy. We have to work on it. But a real engagement is a continuous process of communication. And you have to think about collaborative tools where 
basically like a medical doctor who goes to your patient and you look, you know, what's the fever doing? What's the pulse doing? You have to do this every day. Yeah. Okay. And that only works on social media platforms. It doesn't work uh, on an, in an analog fashion. Okay, so what you're saying is that if you're not already on social media, you should be looking at it now, you should be developing a strategy, you should be acquiring the skills, you should be taking the advice. It's too late when you hit a crisis. Now is the time to start planning. Yeah, and I also would, also fascinating and interesting. There was an HR director who recently asked me the following question. She said, Bogart, I could be on meetings, cocktails every night with employers association and stuff. And it's all very funny, but I think I don't have any impact there anymore because this is old fashioned style. So where, what do you recommend to me? Where should I, who should I be seeing? Who should I be meeting? I want to have a, an impact of what I'm doing if I spend extra times at night. And um, I think it's a very good question to start wondering, you know, as an HR director, who should I be talking to where there's really an impact? on society, on values, on communicating about modern trends and maybe realize that some stuff that we are doing is still communicating with groups and about topics that are 19th century, not even 20th century style. And I think that can be a super fascinating thing also and enrich your life as an HR director. And it's not just, you know, a well, I have a social media policy tick the box thing anymore. And those insights are why I'm going to get you to come to our Berg meeting in June and to continue this conversation. Can I thank you for taking the time to talk to us about this? This is only the beginning of a conversation uh, around how we position ourselves and look at the way we communicate as, as we go forward. And there's a whole new bunch of stuff, such as artificial intelligence and this bot stuff and so on. That's you know, going to make it even more um, interesting, not to mention difficult in the future. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us this evening. Really appreciate it. Super lovely and looking forward to meet you in Barcelona. Thank you. Okay. So appreciate thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Cheers. Oh, 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 oh,